Welcome to Gospel Truth with Andrew Womack, a teaching ministry that focuses on God's unconditional love and grace. In the New Covenant, we have boldness to enter into the Holy of Holies by a new and living way. For so long, I was just always reaching out towards God. Where are you, Lord? But when I heard Andrew's message, it was just like the light bulb went off, and I just like knew God is here with us. And now, here's Andrew. Welcome to our Friday's broadcast of the Gospel Truth. Today is the end of my 13th week of teaching verse by verse through the book of Proverbs. We've broken this into two-week segments just to make it more palatable to people. I know that some people don't want to just spend that much time on it, and so we've broken it into segments. This is the end of my 13th week, and we're now in Proverbs chapter 30. There's 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs, so it looks like next week I'll finish up this series. And so let me mention again that I think this has been powerful. We're dealing with things. When you go verse by verse through Scripture, you deal with some things that you wouldn't ever deal with when you just teach topically on certain things. And I have a lot of material here. We've got this little USB drive that has my teaching and footnotes on over 900 verses in the book of Proverbs. And then we have it in a book form. And then we have CDs, DVDs. So please get these materials and remember that we're drawing to an end of this series and so I'm not going to be promoting these things after next week. So you need to take advantage of it now. Yesterday we ended with Proverbs chapter 30 and verse 19 where it listed four things that just amazed the writer here. And he talked about the way that a bird, just an eagle flew on the thermals the way that a serpent could move over a rock without any feet or hands, the way of a ship, the way it went in a sea, and then also the way of a man with a maid. And this 20th verse that we're on now, I believe, is connected to that. It says in verse 20, Such is the way of an adulterous woman. She eateth and wipeth her mouth and saith, I have done no wickedness. And he's talking about things that just amaze him, and it's amazing to him how an adulterous woman, and I don't believe this is limited to the woman, it could also be an adulterous person, adulterous man, how they can just go and commit adultery, and it's like eating something, wiping their mouth, and say, I've done nothing wrong. You know, the truth is, in their heart, people know that that's wrong. And I know that there's probably people watching this program say, no, there's nothing wrong with it. You've got these old archaic values and stuff like this. It says in Romans chapter 1, verse 18, that God has revealed himself from heaven against all ungodliness and all unrighteousness of man. The truth is that people who live in sin have an intuitive knowledge in their heart. They know it's wrong. And there's people that will argue with me on that. You're entitled to your opinion, but I'm not going to agree with you or we'd both be wrong. I know this to be true. You know, in Vietnam, I had people come up and argue that there isn't a God. You know, those verses I just quoted, Romans 1, 18, it goes on through verse 20. And in verse 20, it says, they even understand his eternal power and Godhead so that they're without excuse. I know that people in their heart know that there's a God. People in their heart know that adultery, know that homosexuality, know that lying, know that stealing, know that murder is wrong. I don't care what they say. I don't care how they try and justify it. They know it's wrong. And like I said, when I was in Vietnam, I had people who were just 
atheists. They were adamant that there is no God. And yet when the bullets got to flying and the bombs dropping, all of these so-called atheists were crying out to God at the top of their lungs. Those of you who watch this program and say, oh, no, there's nothing wrong with adultery and there's nothing wrong with these lifestyles. There's nothing wrong with me watching pornography and all of this. You can say whatever you want to, but at your heart level, you know it's wrong. And this is what this writer of uh, Proverbs chapter 30 is talking about. He's just amazed how people can go commit adultery and it's like sitting down and they eat something, wipe their mouth and say, I hadn't done anything wrong. In their heart, they know it's wrong. And he's just amazed how people can harden their heart and get to where they don't listen to that still small voice on the inside. In verse 21, he gives a list again of four things. This is the third time he's done this in this chapter. It says, for three things, the earth is disquieted and for four, which it cannot bear. And these are just talking about things that are awful, things that are terrible, and the earth can't bear these things. Matter of fact, the word that was translated disquieted here, it literally means to quiver. This makes the earth literally quake and shake these, these ungodly things. So what are they? In verse 22, it says, For a servant when he reigneth, and a fool when he is filled with meat, for an odious woman when she is married, and a handmaid that is heir to her mistress. In other words, these are things that should not be. So look at them again. The servant when he is reigning. This is talking about back in the days where slavery was, was uh, in vogue or, or being practiced. And this is saying for a servant to be uh, ruling over their master is something it's just completely opposite of what's normal. A fool when he is filled with meat. In other words, a person who is foolish and doesn't operate in the wisdom of God and yet they have plenty and stuff that's just... It's wrong for an odious woman when she is married and a handmaid that is heir to her mistress. These are things that just, you know, are completely contrary to everything that's normal and natural. And, um, and anyway, he spoke about this. You can see an example of this like with Sarah and Hagar. You know, Sarah was the wife of Abraham. And because she couldn't have children, she came up with this great idea of giving her maid, her slave, to her husband and that, that uh, Abraham could have relationships with Hagar. And then the child that would be born, Sarah, would take it as her own. And when she did that, well, Hagar got to where she got lifted up in pride and thinking, you know what, I'm the one that produced the heir. I'm the one that had the child. And she despised her mistress, her master, and because of it, there was this contention and it wound up splitting and Abraham was told by God to cast out the bond woman and her child. And uh, Hagar is the one that produced all of the Arabs. Sarah is the one that produced all of the Jews. And to this day, we still have this contention and strife going. And this is what it's talking about. It's just, it's wrong when you do things like that. In verse 24, it says, There be four things which are little upon the earth, but they are exceedingly wise. So here's Agar uh, taking instruction from God through creation, looking at the animal creation. And I said this the other day, but you can learn a lot by just looking at the creation. The creation declares the glory of God, and it shows His handiwork. So here's the list of these four things. It says, The ants are a people not strong, yet they prepare their meat in the summer. You know, just like Agar here, I have, I've been amazed 
watching creation and seeing the the knowledge and the instincts that God has placed in animals. And I, just like Agar here, I have looked at ants and wondered how do how do all of these little tiny creatures with, I mean, a brain that is like a speck, how do they operate and function in unity? You know, if you step on an ant bed, I can guarantee you that whole colony will respond as, as if they are somehow or another controlled by one uh, king or ruler or something like that. It's just amazing the wisdom that God puts in them. And Agar specifically is pointing out how that they uh, go out and gather all of the food that they need for the winter and they take it in the summer and in the fall and they'll store it up. They are using more wisdom than a lot of people do. One of the things to learn through this is that if a little tiny animal with a microscopic brain can function and and understand and and plan for the future and do these things, then how can we ever come off with an excuse of why we are so lazy and not able to do things? Well, th this is a powerful truth right here. And there's people that are watching this program right now that I, I'm saying this in love. I don't know you. This isn't personal, but I'm saying that there's a lot of lazy people that you aren't preparing for the future. You aren't thinking about that there may be a problem. You aren't setting aside any money. You aren't using any wisdom at all. You aren't as smart as an ant. You ought to go to the ant, you sluggard, and recognize uh, and learn some lessons from him. In verse 26, it says, The conies are but a feeble folk, yet make they their houses in the rocks. You know, the coney, uh, there's a little bit of debate about what this is actually referring to, but it's referring to something like a rabbit, some type of an animal like a rabbit. And it's just talking about that uh, they, they are feeble. They really don't have any fangs. They can't defend themselves. And yet they make their house in the rocks, which gives them tremendous protection. And so it's talking about the wisdom that God put in these animals. These defenseless animals have strong, like a fortress, homes that they live in, and it shows the wisdom that they have. Regardless of what our disability or what our problem ought to be, if we would use our brains and let God speak to us, God could give us wisdom about how to protect ourselves and how to survive and to function. In verse 27, it says, The locusts have no king, yet they go forth, all of them by bands. And again, you know, all of us have seen a, a movie or something or heard a news deal about a plague of locusts and how they fly in swarms. You know, this isn't limited to just locusts, but I've seen birds that fly and they'll turn and they all turn at the same time. How does all of this happen? You know, how do they communicate? How do they know to do all of this stuff? When you look at nature and you see the hand of God and you see these animals that we consider to be much less intelligent than us, and yet they are doing things and doing things in cooperation in ways that humans don't do. You know, there's a lesson to be learned here. It's showing us that I believe that God put an intuitive knowledge on the inside of all of us. I don't believe that animals are superior to us. I believe that we are, have just hardened our heart and we have walked away from God. That's the reason we're teaching verse by verse through the book of Proverbs to show these things and to draw people back and to show us that there is no excuse for us living the defeated lives that we do, the lives full of strife, the life where we don't prepare for the future and all of the foolish decisions that we make. 
If animals can function better than humans, well, then I guarantee you God put the ability within us. It's just that we have hardened our heart. We've rejected the wisdom of God. In verse 28, it says, The spider taketh hold with her hands and is in king's palaces. You know, a spider is a little tiny animal, and yet it's in king's palaces. You just can't keep them out. You know, I live out in the country, and I have a workshop and other things, and there's just spider webs everywhere, regardless of how much I try and get them out. They are, it's amazing what they can do. And there's a lesson to be learned from this. If we were created in the very image of God, which the scripture says in Genesis chapter 1 and other places, I can guarantee you there is no less ability inside of human beings than there is in the animal creation. If the animal creation can function and do all of these things, like you look at a spider, and I've seen spider webs, and it is just absolutely amazing the precision that they build a spider web with. If an animal, a little tiny animal, can function with this degree of precision, and I mean just intuitively know these things, And I'm telling you that God has put His knowledge on the inside of us. It is there. But you know, the difference is a spider isn't distracted. A spider doesn't go out and get drunk. A spider doesn't do dope. A spider isn't enticed into lust and into all of this stuff. They are just focused on what God has called them to do. You have the ability on the inside of you to prosper. If a spider can function with such precision that God has given them, I guarantee you, you can do it. You need to quit comparing yourself with other people and listening to them, and you need to recognize that there is a spirit that God has placed on the inside of us, and if we would obey it and not lean unto our own understanding, then praise God, we could prosper. In verse 29, it says, There be three things which go well, yea, four are calmly in going. So this is the fifth list of four things in this chapter that Agur had uh, listed. In verse 30, it says, A lion which is strongest among beasts, and turneth not away from any. I don't think that this is talking about necessarily that a lion is the strongest as far as like muscle or things like that. Certainly an elephant Uh, there's a number of animals that might be able to uh, lift more than a lion does. But when it says strongest among beasts, a lion is just fearless. A A lion is strong. And of course, you know, that's the reason they call it the king of the jungle. So he's listing four things which are to be envied. You know, to when you look at it in nature and you see these things, it just shows you the wisdom, the power of God that he placed in these animals. The first that he talked about was the lion. And then in verse 31, a greyhound, a he-goat, and a king against whom there is no rising up. The NIV and Message Bible uh, translate uh, this greyhound as a rooster. You know, I don't actually understand Uh, why he would be using this. But again, I don't have a total revelation on everything, but these are four things which he says that go well and are very commonly in going. And so he lists these four things. In verse 32, it says, If thou hast done foolishly in lifting up thyself, or if thou hast thought evil, lay thy hand upon thy mouth. In other words, if you have done something wrong, you need to shut up and not make it any worse by trying to talk your way out of it. You know, I heard Keith Moore teaching about how that if you have exaggerated 
Well, actually, he was talking about lying, but he used exaggeration as an example how that, you know, somebody asks you a question and you overstate something you and uh, you exaggerate. But he says you just need to recognize it as a lie. And if you've done that, he says you need to go and apologize. And then as he was talking about this, he says don't ever destroy a good apology with an excuse. And he went on and talked about that. But anyway, I, I believe that that's similar to what this is talking about. If you've done something wrong and if, you, you know, you need to humble yourself, you need to apologize and not try and talk your way out of it, give an excuse. You know, if you say, I was wrong, but here's why I did it, and then you start trying to justify what you've done, you've just ruined your apology. This is saying that when you've done something wrong, if you've lifted up yourself, if you have done something evil, just put your hand upon your mouth, shut up, don't make it any worse, don't try and talk your way out of it, just humble yourself, uh, drink your medicine, face the facts, and admit I was wrong. You know, in my estimation, I've studied a lot on the subject of repentance, and to me, the prodigal son is a great example of repentance because when he finally came to himself and went back to his father, he said, here's what I'm going to say. I'm going to say, Father, I've sinned against you and in God, against God, and I'm not even worthy to be called your son, but I need help. Could I become a hired servant? He didn't want to come back and say, well, I did wrong, but you were wrong in giving me my money. You shouldn't have ever let me do this. I was too young. I didn't know what I was doing. You're just as guilty. You need, You know, the moment you start trying to manipulate people and say, I was wrong, but you really caused this or whatever. That's not true repentance. We see this all the time. There's a guy here in Colorado Springs who pastored a large church who wound up having uh, sexual sins, homosexuality, and he was kicked out of the church and on and on. And anyway, he said that he repented. He said he was sorry, but... Then he began to criticize everybody who'd come out against him. I saw him on a national program. I mean, on a nationwide program. And he was talking about that Christians are the only ones who uh, kill their wounded, that people should have pity. And he started criticizing others and talking about how unjust everybody was to him. The moment I saw that, I said, this is not true repentance. True repentance is like that prodigal son that says, I've sinned. I'm unworthy. Have mercy on me. Make me a servant. I don't even deserve to be a son. He didn't try and justify himself at all. The moment a person starts justifying themselves and saying, well, I was wrong, but this person pushed me, this person compelled me to do it, or you should have mercy on me, you need to forgive me. The moment you do that, it's not true repentance. This is just saying that if you've done something foolish, if you've listed up yourself, thought evil, just put your hand over your mouth, shut up, and take your medicine. Quit trying to justify yourself. The moment you start justifying yourself, condemning somebody else, talking about what they should do, you have just ruined any repentance that you truly had. If you've done something wrong, just take your medicine and, and accept it. And then this next verse explains why you do it this way. It says in verse 33, Surely the churning of milk bringeth forth butter, and the wringing of the nose bringeth forth blood. So the forcing of wrath bringeth forth strife. 
In other words, why is it that he said in the previous verse that if you've done something wrong, just put your hand over your mouth and quit trying to justify yourself and talk yourself out of it? Because just as surely as you churn milk, it produces butter. Just as surely as you wring somebody's nose, it's going to make it bleed. Just as surely if you force the issue and start trying to say, but you shouldn't have let me do this. You should have uh, stopped me or you start blaming anybody else. It is going to bring forth strife. In other words, it's just a guarantee that when you start trying to justify yourself and talk yourself out of it, it's just going to make the situation worse. Boy, this is great wisdom right here. You know, I read a thing one time about a guy who I think he was a member of the power team. If those of you remember the the people that did weightlifting and they would perform and then give all the glory to God and stuff. And anyway, this guy was overseas in one of the foreign countries and he was trying to do a demonstration and witness to people about the Lord. And this guy just kept heckling him and heckling him and saying, there isn't a God. The word of God isn't true. It's not accurate. And this guy, I mean, this big old muscle bound guy, he says, I can prove to you that the word of God is true. And this guy says, how's that? And he said, come over here. And he got him and got him in a head hole and just grabbed his nose and just wrung his nose. And man, this guy started bleeding everywhere. And he says, see, that right there proves it because Proverbs chapter 30, verse 33 says, the wringing of the nose brings forth blood. See, it's true. Well, I don't advocate following that course of action, but nonetheless, uh, I thought that was great. So in Proverbs chapter 31, we're just about out of time. Uh, but it says in verse 1, the words of King Lemuel, the prophecy that his mother taught him. There is an agreement among scholars who Lemuel was. Most people believe that it was actually Solomon, the one who wrote most of the book of Proverbs, the first 29 chapters of the book of Proverbs. And most people believe it's Solomon. If that's so, this is talking about the prophecy that his mother taught him. The mother of Solomon was Bathsheba the woman that David committed adultery with and that her child died, her husband was murdered by uh, King David trying to cover up his sin. And so if it is talking about Solomon and his mother Bathsheba who taught him these, wis these words of wisdom, that would be quite a commentary on Bathsheba and how that after her sin with David, she must have really turned to the Lord and God established her. But there is no consensus among people. We don't know for sure if this is talking about Bathsheba or not. But anyway, it is the wisdom of a mother given to a king. Her son was a king, and this is the wisdom that's reported here in Proverbs chapter 31. We're just about out of time today, so I'm going to stop here. But next week we will continue. We're getting now into the last chapter of the book of Proverbs, and I believe next week will be my last week to deal with this teaching through the book of Proverbs. So again, I've got all of these materials. I've got this USB that has a digital format of all of the footnotes I've written on Proverbs. We've got it in a book form, and then we've got DVDs and CDs. I encourage you to listen to our announcer. Remember that next week will be the last time we'll offer these products, and please call or write today. We hope you enjoyed this edition of The Gospel Truth. Andrew would like to extend a special thank you to the Grace Partners of Andrew Womack Ministries. Your gifts make it possible for us to broadcast the message of God's unconditional love and grace all around the world. 
Because of your contributions, we've been able to put free ministry resources into the hands of millions in need. If you're not already a Grace Partner, we ask you to pray about becoming one today. We trust you're growing in wisdom as you study along with Andrew through the book of Proverbs. You can get the entire series that covers all 31 chapters of Proverbs in a CD or DVD album for a gift of any amount when you contact us. If you'd like to enhance your study, make sure to get a copy of Andrew's brand new hardcover book on Proverbs that includes all of his personal study notes and commentary on hundreds of verses. This book is available for a gift of any amount. Or if you prefer, you can get this book in the Proverbs gift set, which also includes a leather-bound journal as well as a pen so you can chronicle your journey as you study through Proverbs with Andrew. I am really excited to share with you something that we've never done before. This is an 800-page book that I've put out studying verse by verse through the book of Proverbs. And this is a whole set that goes along with it. We've got this little uh, cover right here that says Proverbs, Timeless Teaching for a Life of Blessing. And then we've got this little notepad that goes with it. All of this was engraved by my son that was raised from the dead. This Proverbs gift set is a limited time offer and is a great idea for friends or family. Order it today for only $65 while supplies last. If you'd like to receive all of Andrew's available resources on Proverbs, make sure to order the Proverbs package. This package includes the entire Proverbs teaching in both CD and DVD albums. All of the items in the Proverbs gift set, including the book, journal, and pen, and the Proverbs software on a USB drive for your Windows computer. This special USB drive contains the Proverbs portion from the Living Commentary with all of Andrew's personal study notes on the entire book of Proverbs in digital form. This package has a catalog value of $235, but you can get it for just $199. Contact us to order the Proverbs package today. The 16th audio teaching in today's series is available for a gift of any amount when you write or call. We encourage everyone to give, but if you're simply unable to afford it, Andrew and his partners will provide this 16th CD free of charge. This is the last day we'll be offering this teaching, so be sure to respond today. You can become a Grace Partner or order resources through our website at awmi.net. While there, you can discover more product details and download many free resources. Or call our helpline Monday through Friday from 4.30 a.m. to 9.30 p.m. Mountain Time. Our helpline number is 719-635-1111. To write us, use the address on your screen. We appreciate your generosity and hope to hear from you today. I'd like to give you a special invitation to join me on April the 12th and the 13th for our David musical. I tell you, this is powerful. We had one performance of it at our dedication back in the month of November. It was spectacular. We are gonna have two performances on the 12th and then again on the 13th of April. I know that Christian and musicals don't usually go together, but this is top drawer. It will minister to you, and it's a great way to share the gospel with some people that might not come to something else. 
It's going to be at our facility in Woodland Park, Colorado, April the 12th and 13th. Check it out. The David Musical. You can go to awmi.net for more information. Hello, this is Andrew Womack, and I'd like to encourage you to check out our Gospel Truth TV. That's gospeltruth.tv. It's an internet-based television network, and you are not only going to get my teaching, but you are also going to hear instructors from Karis Bible College. You've got well-known people on there like Kenneth Copeland, Creflo Dollar, Jesse Duplantis, Keith Moore. These are all people that are friends of mine. We have differences and variances, but we're all preaching the same thing, and it's a safe place to be. You are going to be blessed. So check it out. It's 24-7, gospeltruth.tv.